Hey, Bloody Disgusting Pod. This is Kennedy from Indianapolis, Indiana. My husband is new to horror, so I would love a few kind of weird, random horror movies that you think are like must-haves or must-watches for beginning horror people. All right. Thanks. Bye, guys. Thanks, Kennedy. Well, I think since Megan and Zena are a little bit more well-versed in this than I am, um, maybe not, maybe I, I have some stepping stone horror, but I don't know, Megan, Zena, do you have a recommendations for like must-watches for people just getting into horror? I feel like that's such a hard question. I mean, because it's a, it's a broad question, right? Because obviously taste is subjective, but... Right. Are you looking for foundational horror across like the entire existence of history or are you looking for more new releases that would be good entrances to horror? Um because yeah, that's that's a that's a tricky thing. Um if we're, I'm going to frame it from from new releases just because I think it's easy enough to, you know, like the Exorcist and Evil Dead and that stuff's probably easier to to find. Um, so I mean, Evil Dead twenty thirteen <laughs> is an odd one to start with, but I feel like it's a good foundational entry point because you've got the practical effects. It's a it's a barometer for for remakes. You've got the horror that I think it's got a little bit of everything. Um, but that also might be a little bit on the extreme side. So if you want something that is uh, more tame, um, Autopsy of Jane Doe. Autopsy of Jane Doe, I think, is a good one just for spookiness and, mm-hmm. and like a, a good, easy access, like haunted house-ish type. Um, I don't know. Zena, what do you have? I mean, like you said, it is kind of, it's, it seems very general, but um, for just beginners, I mean, I would recommend some of those old classics like The Shining, like The Exorcist, um, maybe even throw in there The Babadook, you know, you want to feel a little spicy, but <laughs> spicy, <laughs> but you know, I feel like it depends, like, you know, psychological horror, um, you know, yeah. The Shining, The Babadook. Uh, slasher, Scream, you can't go wrong with Scream, A Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. Psycho, um, then Modern, Like a Quiet Place, The Girl with All the Gifts, um, Us, Found Footage, Blair Witch Project, that's a must. Um, if you want, Get Out would be a good yeah, Get Out would be one. great. If you want something more international, um, Wreck, the first one from 2007. Absolutely. Because she, she came correct for if this. If you are saying that you want something weird, um, society Zena from 1989 that, that yeah. was really weird or you know i you think you have to like go in blind don't read anything right. about it just and stick with it yes and you know um i was also going to say even uh something a little bit well kind of new well not really new from 2007 teeth um <laughs> yeah, or even yeah. uh swallow that just i think it was released last year well it was made last year but then it was released this year i think yeah, this year. I think that one's kind of on the the fringe of of horror. Right, it's more like I almost call that like a psychodrama. Yeah, more more like a psychodrama. But I mean, Teeth is full blown weird horror, though. Right. So it's or I don't know another one because um, I saw someone actually talking about one of my favorites on Twitter, uh, the Baby from nineteen seventy three. That one's weird. Oh my goodness, that one is beyond weird. So if you watch that, 
you need a lot of warnings. <laughs> <laughs> like, be prepared. Be mentally prepared yes. to be like, you're going to have your jaw on the floor for most of it. I never thought that I'd be a part of a discussion where we were recommending horror movies to a guy just getting into horror and teeth would be a recommendation. <laughs> like, that's a... Or the baby. I, I'm not saying... Yeah. If you ask it's for a baby. weird... Yeah, like, she said weird, so I just... I mean, I yeah, I would definitely... Wait, there's a baby in teeth? Am I no, no, there's two separate movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> Te- yo, you're, she's teeth, and then 19... I think it's 1973 is yeah. the baby. Oh, okay. I thought there was a baby in teeth, and I was like, did I just give up before there was a baby involved in this? Because I'm sure that whole process would be really difficult, too. So, yeah, yeah. plenty. Of, I think we got plenty uh, for your husband to go on on that one, Kennedy, and uh, definitely let us know how teeth goes for him. I, I would add a warning, like, maybe don't start with the weird if you're entering into horror. Like, if that's a, a you're getting into horror, don't start with the weird is like intermediate, I think. Yeah, that's more like learning how to swim by your parents just throwing you in the deep end. But you'll learn. (laughs) Oh, you'll learn real fast. You will. You'll learn if you never want to get your ass in a pool again. Yeah. Hey, this is Megan. I'm calling from Pennsylvania. I just wanted to see if anyone has watched the movie called Possession from 1981. It has Sam Neill and Isabella Ajani in it. Um, and if anyone has watched it, if you could do a brief discussion on that movie, um, I watched it a while ago. I can't find it to watch anywhere right now. And I thought that it was really crazy, especially one scene in the subway with Isabella Ajani. So if anyone has watched it, um, I wanted to see if you could discuss that briefly. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Megan. Great question. And my answer is no, I haven't. So, Megan and Zena, what do you think of Possession from 1981? I feel like it's a very eccentric movie, you know? Um, <laughs> it's it's definitely not for everyone, but if you are open-minded, um, I think that this is a, an awesome watch. I agree. I, I, I really love this movie. <laughs> I don't think that anybody knows precisely what it's about, though. Um, I don't think anybody, not even Isabella Johnny or Sam Neill, know exactly what is happening in this movie, except for director Andre Zulowski. Uh, Zulowski. I cannot pronounce that name. I apologize. Um, but they're so good in it. When we talk about, um, occasionally there's discussions on horror actors that that do so well but they get snubbed for for an oscar performance because it's a horror movie like tony collette and um i have no other names coming to mind i don't yell at me but um isabella johnny should be in that discussion as far as one of the all-time greatest horror performances because of this movie i mean she's great anytime you do see her like she was in uh the 1979 nosferatu uh warner herzog's Nosferatu but she is like insanely impressive especially this subway scene which is kind of like this goopy metaphorical abortion it's like the entire movie is like an emotion movie it's it's emotion based it's not really narratively driven it's like the destruction of of a relationship but it's very surreal in the way it's done so it's like 
you know, Sam Neill is the husband and he comes back and he wants to make amends with his estranged wife, but she has her own lover. And that lover is thinking she has yet another lover, which is like this tentacled creature she has sex with. But that's not I mean, it's it's more to it than that. Like, it's this insane movie that, like Zena said, that if you ever see it, you won't really know what hit you and you'll either love that feeling or you you won't. I do. Well said. So on, on that uh, quick thank you, we also have a quick thank you to Joanne, Beatrice, and Stephen, uh, whose messages we didn't get a chance to address. So basically an abridged version is that I forgot to mention We're Alive as far as horror audio dramas. It is a phenomenal, a phenomenal post-apocalyptic uh, audio drama by the insanely talented Casey Wyland. Like he's like Mount Rushmore as far as audio drama is concerned. He's brilliant um also that we should check out ghost bride on netflix if we haven't already and hell house llc is a great movie i agree i it, watched it, it again today and that listeners means There's you your validation so, <laughs> because that's me watching hell house llc just since we twice just since we've started doing this podcast so welcome to the bloody disgusting podcast everyone the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world and to discuss the disgusting, you know her as the lead movie critic from Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. You know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love of the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hi. And I'm John. That we've established not only in this episode and last episode, the best analogy is for our, Ham our Hamilton fans out there. We've got Angelica, Eliza, I'm Peggy in this scenario. If you haven't watched Hamilton and don't get the reference, watch it because that was brilliant of me. That's a that's as good as I'm going to get this <laughs> You're week. patting yourself on the back. I have to go watch it now because I, I don't understand either. Oh, well, I'm Peggy. Just remember that. It'll make sense when you first watch it. Okay. When the Skylar sisters are being inter introduced, I'm Peggy. Got so it. if you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope that your week has been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not... Let's do a quick round the table for the movies, books, games, and anything else in horror that they're making the three of us smile right now. Maybe it's things that'll help make you smile too. So Zeno, what's been filling your heart this week? So this weekend, I watched a lot of zombie movies because I'm a zombie girl. And uh, <laughs> I still love them. And so I checked out It Stains the Sands Red, you know, from our friend Colin Minahan. Minahan? Ah, Minahan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, it's uh, streaming on Amazon, and it came out in 2016, and it's about a woman stranded, stranded at the side of a desert, and she finds herself tailed by a lone zombie who stalks her every move. It sounds, like, ridiculous, and it kind of is, mm -hmm. but it works because it's just, like, you know, we're used to seeing, like, hordes of zombies and at least more than one, or they move on. No, this one this zombie, one. you know, it just kept on following her for some reason. Um I really, really enjoyed it because uh, there is a hint of humor humor in it. Um, and then while you're watching, you kind of feel like yelling at the characters because some of the like the decisions that are made, it's just like, okay, why would you do that? Don't know. But you know, but you can't help yourself but keep on going. <laughs> um, and then even when it comes with the visuals, it's, it's very like awesome visuals. It's very bright. It's spacious. Um, I even love what they were doing with like the cameras, like the different works. So they use like drone shots as like a 360 shot. They do kind of like a um, fisheye lens and stuff. So that's really awesome. Um, it's really creative. But again, um, 
I, I enjoyed it. There is something that happens um, that that happens in the movie. I'm not a big fan of, but um, it's still enjoyable. Like I didn't overall. detract from your overall overall pleasure. Yeah, fun. Plus, you know, zombie movies are always a good time. Uh, the next thing I watched, it was kind of a rewatch. I haven't seen it in so long, so I kind of forgot about it. I don't know if that happens to you guys. Sometimes you watch a movie, and then it's just like, oh, I have seen this before, and you thought it was something new. Uh, well, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, you know what? Surprise. So this one was also <laughs> on uh, <laughs> It was also on Amazon as, ve- as, as well, and it was released in 2008. And it's basically about a small town in Maryland where there's a curse where the residents, um, they're committing suicide in like the worst way. So at first, you know, I thought it was going to be similar to Suicide Club from 2001. Um <sighs> But it's kind of like that, but not really. I feel like Suicide Club is way more extreme. I don't think and... anything could be like Suicide Club. <laughs> so true. And um, yeah, it, it kind of surprised me because it is a very um, moody, slow burn. Um, but I feel like the the plot is intriguing. But even when I tell you about it, I'm sure that it just sounds very straightforward. And like by the poster, it's just like something that we've seen before. And I think when I watched it like years ago, I think it was on the Lifetime channel, which is just like, wait a minute, what? Because there's like witchcraft, <laughs> people are dying in the worst ways. And it's like, why is it on the Lifetime channel? Bold horror statement here. But I feel like Lifetime channel is like the last kind of bastion for exploitation horror. Because Lifetime is not afraid to get freaking weird with their plots and like crazy psycho nannies and grandmas and right. like stalkers who like sharks and there's some weird <laughs> stuff on lifetime channel is what i'm saying i mean i i agree but you know it's like i thought that it was going to be something like teeny bobber you know yeah like, my boyfriend broke up with me and now he's with sarah <laughs> you know no okay sarah <laughs> is out here just doing some stuff but yeah it's just it's really like crazy especially like the the first act and we learn about witchcraft and it's pretty much again like something we've seen before where evil returns like 20 years later and you know it's attacking the children of the town and it sounds horrible but i loved it it was um it was really cool but yeah i don't i don't feel like this one is going to like scare you um or make you like there's not like gore or anything like that Mm -hmm. but the death scenes are pretty brutal and on top of that, it's like, I do feel like you'll be creeped out by it. Well, you may be. Cool. Hmm. Good recommendation. How about you, Megan? What'd you watch? I have been watching um, Fantastic Fest movies, or rather Celebration of Fantastic Fest movies. They're kind of, they they were canceled proper, but this is their sort of virtual edition, which is still going so there's still movies through um, Thursday. It's free if you RSVP and you can watch on their Alamo On Demand app. So I watched The Stylist, um, which is brand new, world premiere. So it does not have a release date yet, but I do think it's playing at a couple other festivals. Um, it is the feature debut by Jill Six Garvargizian. That's why I'm saying Jill Six, because I can pronounce that. <laughs> Apologies. Um, it's a feature film based on her 2016 short of the same name, which is so good. free. Yeah, it's good. And it is free on YouTube. Just type in the stylist. Um, 
So you can watch, I guess, where this originated from. Um, both star Nahara Townsend, if anybody has seen con- Contracted and Contracted 2, she's the star of that as well. But it's basically about a lonely hairstylist. She's very sympathetic. She lends a sympathetic ear and she works her hair magic. But she also selectively drugs some of her clientele and scalps them um, as a means of, (laughs) you know, like she wants their lives. So she's just going to don their hair and kind of live vicariously that way. Um, It's a really good movie. I enjoyed it. It's really well done, like technically really well done. Nahara is fantastic in this. Um, she's super scary, but she's also super sympathetic. She reminds me a lot of Frank Zito from Maniac, um, but the remake version with Elijah Wood in that mm-hmm. he's just kind of this innocent, naive kid that you feel sorry for other than he's scalping people. So it's bloody. <laughs> it's sympathetic. It's gory. Um, I, I recommend that. So eventually that'll that'll get picked up and distributed. So that's yeah. so great. I've been hearing great things about it. Um, and then also a Fantastic Fest movie that was a world premiere that does not have a release date yet, but I'm sure will. The Boy Behind the Door. Um, the plot is after Bobby and his best friend Kevin are kidnapped and taken to a strange house in the middle of nowhere, Bobby manages to escape. But as he starts to make a break for it and run down the road, he hears Kevin's screams for help and realizes he cannot leave his buddy behind. So he goes back into the house to save him. Wow. Um, Yeah. So this is a very extremely intense thriller um, by... Uh, written and directed by David Charbonnier and Justin Powell. It's their featured debut. It's also extremely impressive debut. And um, it's just, it's almost like a twist on a home invasion because he's sneaking back into the house to rescue his buddy and he's a kid. Like, these are children. I want to emphasize that these are children. And so Bobby is making very childlike choices, which means he is prone to mistakes, which just adds to the suspense because these adults are very, very, very bad people. Trigger warning why they kidnapped the children is pretty sick. Um, But the way that the directors handle this is, I don't want to say classy because it's, it's the worst kind of evil men could be, but um, it's not exploitive. It's just here. These poor children are, they are in peril in a way that I don't know that I've seen before. Like the filmmakers are not afraid to put these children in the most brutal kind of peril imaginable. Um, and a lot of it rests on this young boy's shoulders to carry the movie. Um, the actor is Lonnie Chavez, um, or Chavez, I'm not sure. But um, he, I mean, when you're sneaking around a house in this home invasion type scenario, you're being very quiet, which means that he's having to convey all of this depth of emotion without even speaking. And there's certain scenes that you're like, I mean, it, it just blew my mind what he makes you feel. And he's got to be like 13, between 11 and 13 years old. Maybe I'm totally bad at guessing age, but they're they're Little League <laughs> baseball players. So they carry this movie so well. It's so freaking intense and dark. I loved this movie. So yeah, recommend when it eventually comes out. <laughs> nice. What did you watch, John? So sticking with my formula. Uh classic slasher phone footage 
I did good with two of them. Uh, classic <laughs> is purely subjective. Again, it's a classic for me and possibly me alone. And it's 2014's Black Mountainside. I call this a classic because it quickly became one of my favorite horror movies that I discovered just last year. Okay. Um, I don't know if either of you, oh, I suppose I should do the description. A group of archaeologists discover ancient structure in the Arctic North. The associated artifacts buried deep beneath the sediment and ice dating back to approximately 14,000 years before present day, at the closing of the last ice age. While the group examines and evaluates the discovery, things start to go away. The site's native workers leave. Communications fail, supplies stop coming, and the men begin to feel odd physical and psychological effects all compounded by the solitude thrust upon them. I love this movie. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it going into it. And I have such a particular like soft spot or button or whatever you want to call it for a movie that does not try too hard to over-explain itself. Okay. Like, it, it, it's... Like the the interpersonal, just like the guys talk, like playing poker, whatever, just chatting with each other, just being stupid. Mm -hmm. and, and then like just just these simple little scenes that in itself almost seem anticlimactic or like a cat dies and they're trying to figure out and it just kind of ends with, I know you'll figure it out. And then it's over. Like it's just like these little like snippets of stuff. Like I love it so much. And then. There is a, a there's a, a single tracking shot at the very end of it that is so amazing. Like, have you have either of you seen Black Mountainside? I have, and you're making me want to actually revisit it because I have not seen it in a while. I was saying I actually haven't seen it, but it's on my list to check out because I saw that it's on Tubi. Ah. Yeah. I and I saw it on um I think I saw it on Amazon. I don't know if it's still on there. If it isn't, find it. It's just, and, and it has like a 5.4 on IMDb or something, which to me is stupid. I guess I don't know who was reviewing it that it was like a 5.4. Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe. It's like an average I mean, I, of I suppose all I could the speculate, but. Raiders. Yeah. So, you know, like you have to deal with trolls and fans alike and people well, just had a bad day. Also. Or whatever. I love it. <laughs> people had a bad day. <laughs> he is going to fight over this movie. And, and, you know, and maybe it's like growing up in Minnesota and like being cold and, you know, having been in places where I was isolated and cut off and like stuff like that. But it's just like, it's a really simple premise. Um, but it's just like, it, it, it's a really simple premise populated by mostly smart people. I, I was just gonna say, I'm stuck on You're... you saying that you relate to this movie because you've been cold and cut off in Minnesota. <laughs> I, I need an explanation because oh, yeah. I'm from Texas, so I don't understand this this feel. What is this like? Oh, the the feeling of actually being cold. Yeah, it happens. It's and crazy. isolated and cut off. Oh god! Like yes. do you just Especially... wander off into a cold field and you're alone and cold? No, like happens? if you go if you go up like partying in northern Minnesota and some of these towns that only have like 500 people, like Black Duck or North Home or something. Like the next thing uh -huh. you know, you're like out in the middle of like a, a field. And they're like, this is where the party is. And you're like, well, this is where I'm going to die. And then you don't and you live. <laughs> and you're like, wow, I don't want to do that again. And that's how I relate. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really a hunter or a fisherman. So it's mostly places I got drunk in college more than anything else. 
gives new layers to this. Exactly. My yes, my onion cookie, which evidently there are recipes for onion cookies. I have been told by listeners. I won't <laughs> look at them. So, Trick or treat, onion yes. cookie. So it's a high recommend for me. It, it's 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 very paced. It does not ever really speed up until the end. Like it's a very steady pacing through the entire thing. Um, but so if you like that type of like slow burn's not the right way to say it. I wouldn't call it a slow mm-hmm. burn necessarily. But if you don't like that kind of horror, this isn't necessarily going to be for you. But it surprised the hell out of me. I love it. It was the same kind of surprise as like watching um like Resolution or The Endless where I had no expectations going in and I came out like, oh my God, that is so good. Like just doesn't get enough credit. Too. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm gonna, I have to rewatch those again too and I'll talk about those in a future episode. <laughs> uh, all right, my slasher is 1986's Chopping Mall that I watched on Shudder. The story of three security yeah. robots turning rogue and killing teenage employees inside a shopping mall after dark. And that's it. Like, you don't need to know anything more. It's 86. (laughs) It's cheesy and campy as hell. Stars Barbara Crampton. I think, like, a guy who, like, starred in Head of the Class is in it. Like, I can't remember what his name is. But, um. And Kelly Maroney from uh, Night of the Comet. Yep. Kelly Maroney. And it's total cheese, like, top to bottom. Like, calling it a slasher is a bit of a stretch. I get. But I feel like that's probably the best classification you have for this. Yeah, I can't, I don't know where else I would possibly put Chopping Mall. And it's it's so silly and I I wouldn't really say there's ever any tension in it. Like it definitely feels like if you were watching like those old VH1 I love the 80s, it's like <laughs> someone watched that and made a movie based off what they thought malls were like in 1986. Like, and this was made in 1986. Like, they almost saw themselves through a comedy lens. But it's a Corman production. So that explains a lot. There are boobs. Yep. I mean, this movie makes me happy, though. Like, yeah. (laughs) John, John making sure. Uh, But yeah, I feel like you said Corman, not me. Happy. (laughs) Yes. No, yeah. You added the boobs. I feel like this movie is perfect for quoting. Yeah, and the synth score like just makes you dance. <laughs> yeah, and and you know like they're they're being chased by these kind of slow moving, like little robots that they thought was what the future was gonna look like. And... Hey, but those robots do they are they do have mall robots. They learn nothing from chopping mall. <laughs> like I love that. Uh, it, much like it, it's like um like the trope you see in movies so much now is like you don't hear a train. Like until it goes past you in a movie or like in Batman, like the Batmobile doesn't make a sound until it's like right behind someone or whatever like that. Same thing with these robots. Like the, there's even a scene where it's like, wow, you guys are really quiet, aren't you? The rest of the movie, you hear them just going mm, like cruising around <laughs> the mall. They're not quiet at all in the movie, except for one scene where they need to be quiet. Well, do you feel like gypped that that they don't actually chop either? There's no yeah. chopping in Chopping Mall. And I think I saw this on a list of one of the worst, um, one of the most misleading VHS cover arts. Like if you look at the cover oh, art yeah. for Chopping Mall, it doesn't, you wouldn't think at There's all. No robots. What, yeah, what you were about to watch. So very cheesy, yeah. very campy, but it's also just a good time. And uh, check it out on Shutter. It is. 
And then my last one was uh, found footage, 1998's The Last Broadcast. The story of a man convicted in 1995 of murdering a team of people one night during an expedition to find the mythic Jersey Devil in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. So, 1998. This, this found footage mockumentary style movie actually does predate the Blair Witch. Which is funny because it almost never comes up in conversation in original found footage movies. Now, it's... I don't know that you can necessarily call it found footage because it's in, obviously intentionally a mockumentary that it's mm-hmm. shot documentary style, like with the, that thread through the entire thing. And people have said that supposedly it um, uh, inspired the Blair Witch, even though the Blair Witch had actually been done filming before this film. It just took them a while to like get out there and everything. And it's just, it's one of mm-hmm. those things where it's like, oh, well, this style existed or came out first. So. Well, it's like saying Deep Impact inspired Armageddon, even though they're like a month <laughs> apart. You know, it, it's stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And maybe and maybe in some Hollywood circles it actually did, where someone was like, I'm going to make an asteroid movie. And then someone's like, oh, shit, they're making an asteroid movie. We should make an asteroid movie. That technically happened with the aquatic horror movies of 89. That is Where there was like, I think Abyss I... was in the works and Leviathan. And then you have... Mr. Sean Cunningham, who's like, ha I got to beat them all to the punch. Deep Star and Six. Deep Star Six happened. Yeah. I watched it yesterday and I was watching it. Did on you Amazon. really? <laughs> yes. I was watching it on Amazon. And as I was, it was one of those uh, Amazon facts. And as I was scrolling the mouse, it has that fact saying that Sean Cunningham rushed this into production to be at the peak wave of the aquatic horror trend. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He point blank is, is not shy about his, uh, his business choices how scrupulous he may be yeah he's like i this is a business man gotta do what you gotta do no and and well, and that's a can't be funny mo- or fun movie to watch too well i haven't seen this movie but i've been hearing like mixed reviews on it so i'm i'm glad to hear that you like really enjoy it yeah well you know the thing that gets me with this one too is so much of it centers around two guys that are like public broadcast goofballs and they made that like they made them look like they really were just these public access idiots on a public access stage with a bad show and like thinking that they were going to be something great and like there was so much i honestly did believe i was like okay were these guys really public access like, did they literally, like, just make a movie out of, like, this failed project they had? Like, they ha- they hit the nail on the head so hard with the actual feel of it that it just mm-hmm. it works so well for me. Like, there is definitely a part in it in the movie where it falls apart for me, but I'm not going to get into that because spoilers. But the actual setup and everything else is, re- like, was just really simple but really well done because it's, like, that level of authenticity. Like, that little moment of, like, oh, I believe that. Like, I was talking about this the other day uh, with a creepypasta. There's one called Ted the Caver. And it's one of the longest creepypastas. Like, my narration of it's like two and a half hours. But, and it's not necessarily like fast paced or super scary, but it's the authenticity because it was written by a caver. Like, so when you get that feel, it's not someone, it's not someone who's watched a, law and, a lot of Law and Order trying to write a movie about lawyers it's like a lawyer 
writing a movie about lawyers. Like so much we just fall in these tropes of what doctors and lawyers must be like or what cops must be like or whatever, as opposed to, oh, no, that's not that's not this way at all. That's just the way Hollywood makes it seem more interesting. And like that's those kind of movies just really hit me like like, oh, they nailed it. Like it's not necessarily I don't want to watch their public access show, but it really it, it added like that level of quote unquote credibility for me. Um, last broadcast also available on Amazon. If you've never seen it, um, it's not a precursor to Blair Witch other than the year it came out. I still recommend Blair Witch more, but it is a fun found footage watch, at least for me. I'm assuming Zena is also a fan of that one. I am. <laughs> See, and that surprises me a little. Like, I honestly, I feel a little bit alone when I talk about stuff like um, the last broadcast because it's also it is also cheesy at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, but there's there's like that kind of great 90s nostalgia about it, I guess, too. Well, now I need to check it out. I got to catch up on that one. Yeah. Come on, Megan. <laughs> Pay attention to my list of movies to watch <laughs> from 30 years ago. Stop watching your new your new <laughs> film festival stuff. All right. Enough been what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the horror world. So what's going on, Megan? There is a never-ending stream of content coming out in October, which is here. Um, So I'm about to add to your list with Truth Seekers. It is a newly announced series coming to Amazon Prime Video on October 30th. So just when Halloween's starting to reach its end, here's here's a whole new series to binge. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a horror comedy series about a team of part-time paranormal investigators who team up to uncover and film ghost sightings across the UK, sharing their adventures on an online channel for all to see. However, as they stake out haunted churches, underground bunkers, and abandoned hospitals with their array of homemade ghost-detecting gizmos, their supernatural experiences grow more frequent, more terrifying, and even deadly as they begin to uncover a conspiracy that could bring an Armageddon for the entire human race. So... It sounds serious, but it's a horror comedy. And mm-hmm. part of the people, like part of the writers, it stars Simon Pegg and Nick Frost of Shaun of the Dead. So oh, you know right the there what kind of tone you're getting. And so it's going to be hijinks. Some ghost hunting hijinks, which sounds fun. End of the world hijinks. End of the world hijinks. I mean, what was the, what, what was the movie that they did? At, was it At World's End? I'm not With too the, sure. It it was uh Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, and it was part of their Cornetto trilogy. I'm pretty sure it's at World's End and Simon uh, yeah, Pegg is like familiar. a drunk. Ba- basically, my point is if anybody can do at the end of the world's hijinks, <laughs> it's these two. So I'm sure that will be very entertaining. Um so yeah, and it also kind of fit with our discussion last week on horror comedies. Um, And then Abyssal Spider is a movie that I wanted to talk about, especially because, well, not especially because, because I had no clue what you were watching. I'm not stalking you, John. Um, (laughs) It's kind of this whole discussion on marketing, you know, like you don't know why last broadcast didn't kind of come into conversation the way Blair Witch did. But Blair Witch had a hell of a marketing, you know, campaign. And that's kind of what this is. Because a month ago, a trailer dropped for Abyssal Spider, um, 
But it's not an American trailer because it's not even releasing here yet. I don't know what this, the distrib- distribution situation is for this, but this is um, releasing this month or probably has already released in China, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Joe Chin. It is an aquatic creature feature, and it was like a poster and a and a Chinese trailer about you know men frantically running around on a boat. You don't even see the creature; you just see this massive, like really cool oh, spider image right. of the I poster, right? One. Yeah, yeah. But that was enough to like catch attention on an international scale. And then you know, I think a week goes by, and then a second trailer drops, and there's still not a lot left. But they give you an image of a spider at the end, and it's a big one in the corridors, but it's not like the massive gargantuan one on this poster. And then three days ago, a new trailer drops that just is full on spider carnage. Um, the translated <laughs> plot for this movie is more extensive. So the condensed version is this. Basically, there are people trapped at sea with giant uh, aquatic spiders going nuts. And I think they're trapped by a storm as well. Um, I am a massive sucker for aquatic horror, period. Deep Star and spiders, six. I feel like, yeah, well, I'm a Leviathan gal. You can ah. have Deep Star 6. Um, but anyways, yeah. So... Aquatic horror, giant creatures that's a spider. I don't feel like we get a whole lot of spider movies. So I'm sold. And I just thought it was an interesting thing because marketing can be very, very effective when done well. And I feel like this is it. This is not even a movie that is releasing yet. Well, it lends itself uh, to kind of our conversation we were having before. Um, last week or two weeks ago about uh, would another movie be able to hit like the Blair Witch did and kind of come out of the blue. To me, this sounds a little bit more, not to sound reductive, but like Snakes on a Plane. Like, remember the insane buzz for oh, Snakes yeah. on a Plane? But like, nobody it was like that. And that then like one. the just that concept, like there was something captured the imagination of social media or whatever at just the right time. Like just the right trailer, yeah. just the and right poster. So good job, Abyssal Spider. I need you in my eye holes, Dad. <laughs> I don't think I've I don't think I've seen that one. I've I've seen like a poster, and it was just like this big icy looking spider and stuff. And isn't that but... enough to grab your attention? No, or just me? I don't know. No, <laughs> not all of us want me. spiders in our holes. It's... <laughs> I know. No eye holes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, holes. I heard. (laughs) We lost her. (laughs) I was going to say, like, you know, I know, like, we're all horror fans, and it's like, you know, we're like, oh, I'm brave, you know, but it's just like, spiders are gross. I think we established last week, I am not brave. (laughs) Yeah. He's Peggy. I'm sure that's that's related. Peggy. It'll make sense. Hamilton. Give it a watch. Spotify. Spotify. But imagine a giant one, like, no. You, are they more, they're more unnerving for you if they're regular sized or, or I just, just don't like any of them. Like, I think that they're gross and, you know, <laughs> and then imagine like a big fat one just staring at you. Like, but that's part of the, legs like, I don't want to say charm and, because it's not really charming, no. but I mean, that's the allure. You want to be like repulsed and, and grossed out and scared. Okay. Before Xena freezes, we're going to, we're going to. We're going to move on. See, clearly frozen spiders in Megan's holes is causing the internet to shut down. So, 
We need to keep moving. Yeah. No, so, eye holes. So, they don't right, go listen. in any other holes. Don't know what you're talking about. All right, listeners, it's your turn. Excited for Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Love creepy crawlies and eye holes. Let's hear about it. The number is 224-475-1040. The number is in the show notes. Remember, keep it fun. Keep it simple. Please limit yourself to one question or comment per call. Also, as the show finds more listeners, we are getting more calls. So I'm going to apologize in advance that we just can't play everyone's messages. But we will do our best to cover the ones that we that we think we can have the best discussion with off the top of the show. Finally, if you're anything like us and you spend more than a little time streaming movies on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, and all the others, then you need a little bit of help. Or you'll be like me and you'll watch Chopping Mall or Hell House LLC again, which I will before October is done. So, Xena... What should we be watching if we want to be watching something different right now? Okay, so we kind of spoke about uh, horror comedies last week. So there's going to be a lot of horror comedies um, coming our way in October, which is exciting. So the first uh, one up, uh, Scare Me, it'll be hitting Shutter. This will be on Thursday on the 1st. And uh, this movie is basically about two strangers tell scary stories in a cabin during a power outage. And I kind of uh, was spying on Megan and I saw that she really enjoyed this movie. So uh, that one will be coming our way. Then another horror comedy, Mass Hysteria. It'll be out on VOD on Thursday. And it's about a group of Salem witch trial reenactors. They find themselves at the center of a modern day witch hunt. And witches are my jam. So it sounds like it's going to be a good time. Next up, we have Death of Me. It will be hitting, it will be coming out on VOD Friday the 2nd. Uh, this one is directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman. Bozeman? Oh my God, I'm terrible. Thank you. It's about a couple. <laughs> it's about a couple on vacation um, who discover the mystery behind a strange video that shows one of them killing the other. And Alex Esso from uh, Starry Eyes and Fashionista and Dr. Sleep. She's in this one. It has like a really awesome cast overall. Then coming to Netflix on Friday, Vampires vs. the Bronx. Um, this film follows a group of teenagers who are forced to protect their neighborhood in the Bronx when a gathering of vampires invade. So I actually saw the trailer for this one. This one looks really cute. Um, maybe that's not a great way to describe it, but it looked like it would be cute. <laughs> then as well, we have Do Not Reply will be on VOD on Friday as well. A teenager is abducted through a social media app and is held captive with other girls who are to become victims in the killer's virtual reality filmed murders. So this one, I think, sounds like it's going to be a good time as well. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. Then we have 12-Hour Shift. It's will be coming on VOD on Friday. And it's about a drug-addicted nurse who's involved in a black market organ trading scheme. And this is directed by Bria Grant. I've been uh, seeing a lot of buzz about this one. Everyone has been enjoying it. I feel like it's still going through the circuit run, uh, film circuit run. And then the last one we have, Let's Scare Julie. It will be coming to VOD as well for, on Friday. And Tara strikes when teenage friends, they hatch a plan to scare a reclusive girl who lives in a house rumored to be haunted. So as you can see, we already have like a packed schedule, which I'm really so excited for. So... Yeah, that that's the spooky season. That's that's what's going on. Yeah. If nothing else, like AMC Plus is basically running horror movies twenty four hours a day in October too. Oh, like true. So much stuff going on. Right. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at lovely Xena on Twitter. 
and you can hear me on the 31 Days of Horror on Creepy. That's why I'm so tired right now. October has just Yay. started, and I am exhausted. Don't forget to hit subscribe <laughs> on your favorite podcast app to uh, help get the show some notice, especially now that we're in the Halloween season. Yay, October. And feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at bloody or at Be Disgusting Pod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. <laughs>